Well, good morning. How is everybody this morning? You can talk back. It's okay. How are you this morning? Good. Good. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been in this brand new series called Give and Go. Now, the first week, Pastor Aaron got up and shared with you the vision of where Life Church was heading as it relates to missions this year and just really set up that idea of Life Church giving and going. And that vision, man, it was incredible. Uh, he, uh, he really just connected with the heart uh, as how it relates in, in our life and our relationship with God and, and how we are to d- conduct ourselves. Uh, last week, uh, Tammy Cole got up and, and she talked about the three ways, giving to the third power that you and I uh, can give. Man, she pushed, she pushed some heart buttons. She, uh, she, she gave you those statistics and really just depicted the need in a real way. And you've heard over the last couple of weeks some people that have shared through video uh, their testimony of what God has been doing in their life as it relates to giving and going. You heard from the gray boshes and, and from the suitors and, and the call that God has placed upon their life um, to give and to go. It's been incredible. It's been really uh, just, it allows you to see things differently. And, and that's, that's exactly what I want to hone in on this morning is, is seeing things differently. Perspective. See, the cool thing about perspective is that when you have it, it brings about a certain amount of clarity. It brings about a certain amount of almost tactical advantage. If you think about it this way, on the battlefield, if, um, if a force has perspective over the battlefield, they have kind of this overarching view. They have this uh, ability to see everything that's going on. They have perspective over uh, the fight, really. And the thing about going, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, the thing about going is that when you go, God allows you to have incredible perspective. In fact, I want to start this morning with a story. The man's name is Peter. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 9. But Peter, just to give you a little background on Peter as you uh, turn there, Peter was a disciple of Christ, uh, one of the 12, knew Jesus, grew with Jesus, served with Jesus. And Peter was actually one of the individuals that Christ said that he would build his church on. He called Peter a rock and said, I will build my church on you, Peter. And so we pick it up here in Acts as Peter is kind of leading the charge of the advancement of the church in Acts. But God does something here. God does something incredible here. Let's read. It says this, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Dude was hungry, y'all. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, you're probably sitting there going, what in the world does that have to do with going? A sheet, animals, reptiles, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. This is what God was telling Peter that day. See, to understand where Peter was at, you have to understand that Peter was a Jew. He was a circumcised, clean, as the Bible would call it, individual. He was one of God's people. And see, in this moment, 
Actually, if you continue to read on in this story, uh, there comes to Peter's uh, house that day uh, a couple of individuals and said, uh, these people show up and say, Peter, come with us. Peter's like, well, where am I going? They say, to the house of Cornelius, who was an Italian uh, centurion, also a Gentile or somebody who was unclean or uncircumcised, one of not what Peter was. And basically back in those days, uh, it was it was against the law for a Jew to fraternize with a Gentile, to eat, to sup with, to commune with someone who was unclean or a Gentile. But Peter goes to this man's house, and there he begins to share the message of Jesus Christ with this Italian centurion and his friends and his family. And all of a sudden, Peter puts the whole thing together, and he realizes this vision that he had, this thing, this sheet of, of all these four-footed animals and the birds of the air and the reptiles and what God was saying there and how God said, don't call anything unclean what I have made pure. He realized that Jesus was, God was speaking to him and telling him that there were no boundaries in the kingdom any longer. There was no more us and them. There was no more Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. It was just people who needed to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And Peter got it. All of a sudden, his perspective was, in that moment, changed. Like, wow. And it probably doesn't register as heavy with you this morning as it did with Peter, but understand, his entire life was lived out saying, you must not commune to sup, to be in relationship in this way with a Gentile. That's against the law. But that day, God comes in and he breaks barriers and says, that is no more. Go and tell. See, what's incredible is when Jesus shows back up on the scene after being crucified, three days later, he's resurrected. And he says, go and assemble all of my people. Go assemble my followers, which at this point were the 11. You know what happened to the 12th, Judas. But he says, assemble them all. And so they're assembled and they come to Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus uh, begins to commission them. Not to start churches, not to sit at his feet and worship, not to erect monuments. But the thing that Jesus says is go. He empowers and he commends, or commands, he says, go. And Peter's one of the 11 that were there that day. And so here we pick up the story in Acts, and, and Peter, again, he's, man, he's leading the charge in the book of Acts. It talks about how the church was multiplying, and it was being added to daily. Could you imagine life church being added to daily and multiplying? Dude, we'd have like 16 services on Sunday, and I'd have to preach every one of them when I get the opportunity. It'd be crazy. But they were being added to and, and, and multiplied. And so here Peter is, and he's leading the charge. The first thing on the back of your notes, I believe that when you go, it will change your perspective of people. See, that day when Peter went to the Italian centurion's house, it was no longer just a uncircumcised man. It was no longer just a Gentile. But Jesus did something inside of Peter that showed him that this was a man that needed to hear the redeeming message of Jesus Christ. Peter realized that day that it was a man who was in need of saving and he had the message to give to him. I've had the unique opportunity of attending uh, several mission trips, both in, in the States and outside. 
And it's incredible to see how God will change your perspective of people. Because no longer is it just that commercial that you see on TV uh, between, you know, when you're switching between your favorite shows, The Biggest Loser and 24, which, by the way, is on tonight. Any 24 fans? A couple of you? Yeah, buddy. A little Bauer power. Um, but it's no longer just that 30-second television commercial that you're watching with the boy and the girl and the narrator begins to talk about their need and how they don't have money to provide themselves with the basic necessities of life. They'll never have an education. Uh, their um, development is being stunted because they just they don't have that. No longer, when you go on the missions field, no longer is it just this 30-second commercial that you've seen. But you step into that moment, and all of a sudden, the need becomes real. In fact, the need becomes about a real person and not just an idea. You see that these people are, are real. That they've got flesh and blood. That they cry, that they laugh, that they run, that they bleed, that they smile, that they sing, that they jump. All of a sudden when you go, and I believe that when Peter went that day, all of a sudden he, his, his world was opened up. It was broadened. Because up until this point, he was preaching to very select people, and it was to the Jewish communities, and he was converting it. And although they needed Jesus as well, God said, it's not this small thing any longer. Understand that the world is large and that the, the need is great. And there's no more barriers, Peter. There's no us and them any longer. There's no clean or unclean. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. It's just my people need to hear. And when you go... Man, God will change your perspective of people. The first time that you pick up one of those little boys or little girls and you just begin to sit and laugh with them and they're speaking a language that you don't understand but you're laughing with them just because they're hilarious. Or you're on the soccer field with them and, and, and you score a goal and you're feeling pretty good about yourself because these are third world country little kids and this is, soccer's their game and this is all that they do and you're not very athletic anyway but you, man, you scored a goal on them and you're feeling pretty good about themselves and all of a sudden you see that these are real people. These are real individuals with real needs. It's not just a little child on a pamphlet or on a commercial. It's not just a couple of parents who are struggling and having a hard time. These are real people. I was 16 years old and got off a plane to Panama and made my way into uh, the Darien jungle right on the Colombian border. It's just right there, central South America. And I remember the first thing that, that I did was just begin to... Uh, I don't know how or why, but I got thrusted uh, to share the gospel with these people, with an interpreter. I'm a 16-year-old kid, and here I am in a different country with an interpreter, and I'm trying to tell these people about, about Jesus Christ. And in that moment, I'm just, my mind's being blown because my view of Jesus and the need that I've experienced versus these people and the need that they're experiencing, I'm almost having this out-of-body experience, and I'm going, man, is this even registering with these people? Because I'm talking about my girlfriend who I just broke up with and how God's come in and just begun to restore my heart and I'm living for him now and these people are just trying to put food on the table. But God allowed me to see people differently during my time while I was there in Panama. 
went to El Salvador, I've been to Dallas, been West Coast, I've been into Juarez more times than I can count. I've, I've been able to see people in their need, and, and every time that I do, every time that I think that I've got it figured out, every time I'm ready to go on another missions trip and I, I board another plane and I think, okay, I've got this all figured out, I'm, I'm good to go, God just changes my perspective a little bit more when it comes to people. And he goes, Elisha, it's, the world is so much bigger than you think. The need is so much greater. And your view of my goodness is, is limited. Although you've seen it, these people, they need to hear what you've got inside you. I believe that when you go, it also will change your perspective of God. You say, how, did, how, would it, how would it change my perspective of God? I don't really, how? See, what's incredible is that when you decide to go, and when you decide to make yourself about the Father's business, God will begin to reveal some facets of who he is to you, some characteristics and some traits that you hadn't seen before. The Bible says that God would leave the 99 to go in search of the one. God's heart bleeds and it yearns for the lost. God absolutely wants to get a hold of those people that don't know who he is. Both inside of the states and outside of the states. But God, he, man, there's something inside of God that when one of his children does not know him, man, his heart goes out. You've read in scripture the, uh, the story of the prodigal son and how he comes home and, and how the father runs to him. It's exactly how God is. It's exactly how God's heart is designed to be. Man, when he sees one of his kids come home, he runs for him. He would leave the 99 and go and search for the one. And, and you and I honestly are, are these people that God is wanting to activate to go and bring his children home. See, Jesus knew that he had to go and be with the Father, but what did he do? He commissioned the 11, and he said, go. You do a little bit of research and kind of just background on, on that text when Jesus says go, there is a, almost this impartation of power, this giving over to say, here you go, now take this and do something with it. It was, it was an action step. It wasn't suggested. It, it wasn't, hey, maybe if you get around to it. It was one of these things that you know who I am, now begin to go and do. See, this Bible is, is not, this book is not just a, a book of, of, of rules and regulations and suggestions. This is, this is a guide as to how our lives are to be lived. And so when Jesus tells you and I to go, He's expecting you and I to go. I believe that you're going to see an element of God's faithfulness when you decide to go. Because honestly, when it comes mission strip time, when it comes summertime, when it comes um, that time for students to begin to, and I, I've seen this a million times. This is, it's so funny to see the process that God takes students through when it comes to mission trips. Um, usually it happens with uh, one of two ways. One, they hear about a cool place that they want to go to. And so then they take that little flyer to mom and dad and they go, look where I'm going this summer. And then mom and dad are like, how are you going to pay for it? And then they're like, I thought you were going to pay for it. <laughs> or two, mom and dad go, you're going on this mission trip this summer. 
and then they throw a fit, and you know, they do that whole thing. But what I love is during that process, as they're getting to their destination, is, is very literally the, the raising of the money to go. This is what I love. Because God has a way of showing his faithfulness through this process. I remember being 16 years old and, and trying to afford to go to Panama. And, and to this day, I don't remember where all the money came from. But I know that as I made myself available to God and I said, God, I will go and do. I'll wash cars. I'll, I'll clean the church. I will, uh, whatever I've got to do, God, I'll, I'll do side jobs. I'll uh, try, try and apply for a job. Uh, God, whatever I have to do, I just, I know that I got to go. But I remember God's faithfulness just showing up in that moment. And him providing for me my very means. And over this last summer, I saw that with a couple of students. Man, a very specific student, um, David Tennis. I saw this in, in his life. And um, I remember having the conversation where he's like, Pastor Elijah, I want to go. But it's $350 and I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. I said, David, dude, you can do this. You've got this. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I've been talking with my parents and I'm just, I'm not sure if I can I said, David, we've got a couple of fundraising opportunities for you. I think that you can do this. And there, myself and his brother and him in a brat booth at Pick and Save, just giving out brats, raising money to go on missions trips, you know, one little thing at a time. Him helping out at the church, one little thing at a time. Him doing a couple of extra chores on the side, one little thing at a time. And, and the thing that I've come to realize is that God takes you through a process of showing you his faithfulness when you decide to go. He has a way of just showing up and, and providing for you. Because you make yourself about his business. You say, God, I'm willing to go. And when you say, I'm willing to go, God's going, I'm willing to provide for you to go. Because your heart's in the right place and, and I know that what you have inside of you is way too important for you to keep inside of you. I've got to send you to go. And so what's incredible is if God has told us to go, is it not almost his responsibility to provide us the means to be able to go? If I'm stepping out in faith, if I'm coming out of the boat, Jesus says, come out of the boat. If I'm stepping out, is it not his responsibility to make sure that I don't sink and die? And so it's like the excuse doesn't hold any weight any longer when students are like, ah, I just, man, I don't have the means to go. I, I, I don't, you know, my schedule's kind of tight. And I'm... I love to see the process that God will take students through. I believe that your relationship will grow deeper when you decide to go as God changes his perspective of himself. And again, this thing that you see in students, you're boarding a plane and you get off and you're in a third world country and they just begin to complain. Oh, it's hot. I'm hungry. When are we, where are we going to stay? I heard that we're not going to be in a hotel. I heard that we're going to be sleeping on a floor. Where am I going to do my laundry? I forgot my deodorant. (laughs) The plane ride was so long. And all the while, you just want to Like, yeah, dude, I'm hungry too. I was sitting next to the smelly guy the whole plane ride. I want a bed too. We're not here for you. But they show up and they're there and they're whiny and they're needy and they're moody. But somewhere about two or three days in, something begins to shift. They begin to see God at work and they begin to see the need presented in front of them. They begin to see people who are without. And they almost... 
without knowing it, subconsciously begin to compare their lives as to what they're living in now and going, oh yeah, I guess I don't have it as bad as I thought. I guess just because I didn't get a 360 for Christmas doesn't mean that my parents hate me, you know? (laughs) But something begins to shift, and, and all along the way, this relationship with God actually begins to grow stronger. You debrief at the end of each day and you talk about what God's doing and all of a sudden that whiny kid speaks up and he's like, dude, I was with this kid Pedro and he just began to tell me about how bad his life has been but since I've gotten here, man, he loves me being here and we played soccer the whole time and we talked about Jesus for a little bit and And as a youth pastor, you're just kind of shaking your head like, yeah, yeah, I've seen this before. I've seen what you were like and I see what you're going to become and then when we want to leave, I'm going to have to drag you away from this place and But it's cool because you see God just uh, drawing himself nearer to you when you go. And you say, why is that? Why is it that I would have to leave this place to grow deeper with God? That's not necessarily what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when you do go, you will see new things. You will see uh, new characteristics and new facets of God that you had never seen before. Because you're seeing the need differently. Because you're allowing your perspective to be changed. You're allowing yourself to step out of this bubble uh, for a minute. Our creature comforts, our automobiles and our uh, fluffy mattresses and our three square meals and our TV. And you're going, dude, wait, hold on. I've sacrificed a lot to give my family that. Don't you dare talk down to what I've provided for me and my family. That's not what I'm saying. Understand me. I think it's great what you've done for you and your family. And I, I think it's great that you're living a prosperous life. But what I am saying is that when you remove yourself for just a minute, when you remove yourself from your circumstances and you put yourself in the circumstances in the seat of someone else. See, God says what you would do unto the least of these, you do unto me. And so when you go and begin to give unto the least of these, when you begin to provide for the least of these, when you begin to uh, create joy for the least of these, when you begin to give the message of hope unto the least of these, God counts that as a, as a blessing. Man, he, he, he sees that as worship, as, as following him. And so he draws nearer to you. For some of you, this is in your workplace or in your schools. For some of you, man, very literally, this is you going on a mission trip this summer getting out of Milwaukee and going elsewhere. It's a reality check. It is. But God, man, he will bring you so much closer to him when you go. I believe that it also changes the perspective of you when you go. When you go, it will change your perspective of you. I want you to hear from a couple of students who, they went uh, with us to New York this summer, and just listen to them as, as they talk to you just a little bit about how God changed their perspective of people, of God, and of themselves. Check this out. My name is Sarah Ashleman. Hi, I'm Nathan Graybosch. So uh, I was asked um, what my, uh, how my life was changed and uh, kind of my relationship between God and uh, other people and how I view them like through the missions trip I've uh, went to. Um, 
about uh, not long ago, I went to New York, and uh, through that, um, we were given like these journals, and uh, every once in a while, I'll pick it up and like write in it. And so, through that, I've uh, I've actually had some pretty sweet conversations with God. My relationship with God has changed a lot since I came back from New York. One of the ways that it has changed is Pastor Elisha gave us these journals and kind of talked to us about really digging into our Bible reading and um, journaling about it and writing down what's God doing, what God is doing in our life. And one of the things that I did when I got home is every night, like I stayed until like three in the morning just reading my Bible and journaling, and it was one of the it was like the best two weeks of my life was after New York and. Now, every time that uh, I read my Bible, I always dig in more and think about how it applies to my daily life. I know that uh, it's your will that I go to whatever country you have in mind for me this summer. I know that you are my ultimate provider and I'm asking for your help. I'm in the plane right now. I'm sad to be leaving New York. It was a nice feeling to know I was doing something worthwhile with my life. But that feeling doesn't have to end with the plane landing in Milwaukee. It can go on forever with a little determination. As long as I'm going after God with my whole heart, otherwise it means nothing. Then it just works. Out of going through all these mission trips I've went to, I've, uh, I've come to realize, you know, God's placed a calling on my life. I'm, uh, I'm called to be a chaplain in the Army. Um, I realize that calling that's come for me going on these mission trips and, you know, being out there and, you know, just getting to know, like, people, what God wants me to do in their lives and that sort of deal. Another thing that came out of the New York trip was how my view of people changed and with uh, this one experience with a man in New York that the whole group had an experience with named Hercules, it kind of showed me that people, that if you look past the stereotypes and just look into who they really are, they are someone that God loves and that it is important that, they, uh, that you share with them, that you show him his love and that you show him show them that uh, God can change their world. He can make them who they were meant to be. And that uh, uh, definitely helped me and it kind of strengthened this idea that me and a few friends had had at camp to start a Bible study at my school. And uh, now we have started the Bible study and we're reaching out and uh, the name of our Bible study is Reach. And it's really cool because we're getting a chance to look past the stereotypes and help the kids in my school. And it's been a really great experience. How stinking awesome, man. You put a student on a mission trip and they come back a world changer. Again, that process that you begin to see a student live out from deciding to go on a mission trip to coming back from one. God brings out inside of them this thing that I think lies dormant a lot of times inside of you and I. We live our relationship with Christ in such a way where we go after him and, and we want the things of heaven and, and we want to deepen our relationship with him. But somewhere along the way, we stop giving and we stop going. We stop imparting. We, we stop giving away this thing that's inside of us that God has given to us and commissioned us to go and, and give away. And God begins to change your perception about who you are. Because you look at yourself and you go, this can't just be about me any longer. 
This can't just be about me living my life and my relationship with Christ and, and where my life is taking me and, and the family that I want to build and, and the status that I want to uh, accumulate and, and the money that, that I want to save and, and buy a big boat with one day. This, this can't just be about me any longer. I've got to go and do something. And so the perception, the perspective that changes about yourself is almost from, from, from selfish to, to unselfish, to, to a giver, to a goer. To somebody who's, who's, who's activated, who's got to get out there. Over the past few months in student life, we've been talking about uh, just having global mindset and, and doing something to, to help those around you. In fact, we're in a series right now called Fab Five, and it's all about who are the five people that you were doing life with that in 2010 you want to affect in some way, in a positive way. And man, the stories that have come off of that are incredible. Students coming back just sharing, I've been praying for these, these five people for the last seven days, and, and one of the people off my list, Pastor Elisha, just all of a sudden these conversations about Christ are, are starting to pop up, and, and, and I don't know why. And I'm just like, you don't know why? You've been praying. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you hear these stories of these students, and, and, and we're shifting the mindset to be more global. I remember being on the floor of my bedroom two nights ago praying for the individuals in Haiti and just speaking blessings and, 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 and restoration and, and, and help uh, their way. And I remember that in the moment of me praying, just feeling almost this despair, this, like, God, are my prayers even going to affect are the things that I'm even sending up to you, oh God, are they, are they going to even change the circumstances? Because the devastation is so great, and because the loss is so wide. God, are these words even going to matter? And I believe for a moment that God just allowed me to feel just a bit of despair that these people are going through. And granted, the, the level of despair that I felt in that moment is, is hardly even comparable to what they are going through, but I, in that moment... Just feeling that, that, that despair. And I just thought, God, if this is how I feel, how must they feel? I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Understand, this isn't a big sob story. This isn't me trying to sell you to go on a mission trip this summer. This is me trying to say, you got to go. When Eva and the band were singing Yahweh and, and she began to speak about what Yahweh means, God, creator, I'm just thinking, how many people don't know who Yahweh is? How many people don't know who God is? Tammy shared last week that there are one billion people on this planet that don't even know how to sign their name. How many more people don't even know his name? I mean, it's crazy to think about. In our day and age, with our rapid advancement of telecommunications, you think that you would think that everybody had heard the gospel but they haven't. And think about how many more people need to hear it two or three or nine or 25 times before they get it. I mean, take a look at your own life. How many times did you have to hear that Jesus loved you before you came into relationship with him? People need to hear about Jesus. They do. And I've seen it inside of students how God will change their perception of themselves. I mean, if I could just be honest for just a minute, teenagers 
are some of the most spoiled, uh, attitude-y, and I'm sorry if you're in the room, students, but selfish people sometimes, they are. But at the same time, I know them to be some of the most passionate and some of the most life-giving and some of the most just outright forceful go-after-it people that I've ever seen. And I've seen as, as they go and they begin to give of themselves how God will just transform them. Some of you go, yeah, I got a teenager like that. When you were describing, I got a teenager like that. I'm ready to send him on a mission trip. Dude, do it. I, listen, I'm not a parent. I don't know about parenting. I had a fish one time and it died. I had a dog and he got lost. I, I don't know parenting. I don't. I know teenagers, and I know that going will change them. Some of them just need to get spanked. I'll just be honest. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Pastor Elisha just told my parents to spank me. (laughs) Listen, I got spanked. I turned out fine. No, I'm just kidding. But some of y'all need to get spanked. (laughs) But when when they go and they come back, I promise Something is going to be different inside of them. Their perspective of themselves will be different. They'll come back more self-confident, more focused, more energized, more uh, almost goal-oriented than ever before. They'll have, God brings out this purpose inside of you and me when we go. And you go, why is that? Why would God bring out inside of us purpose when we go? Because God's sole purpose was for us to go. He didn't just commission you and I so that we would have something to do because he thought that we were bored and had nothing to do. He knew that there were people dying and going to hell that needed to hear about the gospel. And so when God spoke to Peter that day and said, Peter, there's no unclean or clean. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no Jew or Gentile. They're all my people. And Peter, you got to tell everybody. There was urgency. There was a reason that Jesus spoke this first before anything else because he sensed the urgency. Jesus said, I died for you so that you could have a relationship with me. Go and tell everybody. Whether it's in your workplace, your school, your family, or on a mission trip this year, the command to go remains the same. We've all been commissioned. The verse that we're asking you guys to memorize this week is Acts chapter 11, verse 17. This is Peter. And if you continue to read down on in the story, Peter was actually, he goes to his fellow Jewish brothers and begins to explain what happened at the centurion's house that day. And his, his uh, fellow Jewish brothers say, you did what? You understand it's against the law, right? We don't do that. And this is what Peter says. He says, so if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When I read that verse, I just thought, God, if I don't go, do I stand in opposition of what you want to do? God, if I stay here inside my bubble, inside my box, and I don't step out and go and do, do I stand in opposition what you want to accomplish? And I think to a certain extent, there's a very real yes there. Because God is about advancement. He's about expansion. He's about people coming into relationship with himself. And so if you are not about that, even if you stand in apathy, if you are not for something, even your apathy 
would suggest that you are against it. God's an all or nothing kind of God. He's not a half foot in, half foot out kind of God. That's why he says, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That's harsh. It is. But God's an all or nothing kind of God because he knows what rides on the line. He knows that it's way too important for you and I not to go and to do. So my challenge for you is to begin to go. Your workplace, your friends, your family, on a missions trip. Go. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I just ask that in this place...